Hello, welcome to HR Shop Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Adams. This show delves into the details of HR through conversations with smart, experienced, and successful professionals who are actually doing the work. Today, my guest is Todd Bassett, who's a senior HR leader with diverse experience from different industries, including public and private, big and small, union and non-union. He has a saying, it's business first, and then you sprinkle in HR. Uh, Hi, Todd. Thanks for doing this. Great to be here. All right, so we're going to talk about misconceptions of a career in HR based on an article written by Elevating HR, and I've put a link to the article in the comments. And I know that people have weird ideas about a career in HR. I probably did. In my university days, I thought I would be helping people in kind of the warm and fuzzy way. So why do you think we need to improve clarity around having a career in HR? Well, yeah, I think a career in HR is a bit more balanced. So usually, you know, if you go to sort of the university side, there's sort of a couple streams, you know, there's a financial stream, the STEM stream, and then there's a social sciences. And I think that, you know, people that are drawn to HR initially are those social sciences and thinking that's kind of the sum of everything. But what we know to be true in HR is that it's a lot more disciplined in both the financial end of it, the the analytic side of it. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have those elements, it's really hard to to kind of reach a plateau from a career in HR. Okay. So let's dig into some of the items from that list. I've picked a few that I thought were the most interesting to me. The first was conflict management is a core competency. So conflict management isn't something that I studied in school. Why do you think it's on the list? And how is HR different than other business functions? I think that the reason why I think it's one of our core competencies is that we deal with people primarily getting things done through people and people are dynamic. You know, when you put a group of people together, there's going to be natural conflict. Now this doesn't always mean dramatic conflict. It can be something like a change management issue where people are resisting something. It can be an issue between two people that maybe have a misunderstanding. It can be a manager, maybe not quite knowing how to lead his people or her people. And so there's a conflict there. And my experience in my career has been, I've acted as a mediator at times a negotiator at times, because again, people side of the business is dynamic and it's only natural that conflict will occur. Even most business leaders are risk adverse or conflict adverse when it comes to dealing with their people and we're their partners. So we need to be there to coach them. So how do HR practitioners get better at conflict management? Well, like with any development, you know, I believe in the 70-20-10 model, uh, 70% experiential, 20% through coaching, mentoring, et cetera, and then 10% through your formal education, your courses and so forth. So I think when you, when you look at it that way, I would look at how to, to gain a proficiency at conflict by doing that very thing. So get a little bit of education. There's certainly courses out there, you know, whether it's for, for mediation or conflict management. So certainly take a course to get grounded into that, have somebody mentor you or coach you that's experienced in it. And then the experience piece is it's just a practice thing that's learned. So you just got to go do it. You're not, doesn't always turn out the way you think. And, you know, I've had many situations where, you know, you think it's going in one way and it turns out something different. And I would think that approaching each of those as a learning opportunity would help too. Absolutely. So we have to kind of really be self-aware of all of those cues and triggers in our own self when we get frustrated or mad so that we can deal with those. So there's a psychological element to it. 
as much as there is a bit of a process to it as well. Okay. So the next one I wanted to discuss was the statement that HR decisions are business decisions. What do you think this particular item means and how does it change the way HR practitioners should work? Well, I think it is getting things done through people. There's a business element to it. You know, you've heard business leaders talk about the people side of the business is their largest expense. But it's also Mm -hmm. true that it's also the largest mechanism for revenue and, you know, profits and so forth. And the reason is, is that how we go about it. So if you look at the research, for an example, a very engaged workforce will be 20 to 30% more productive than those that are disengaged. So there's a real element that says what we do in HR and the ways that we support it does have an actual business outcome. Mm-hmm. But we have to also be business minded as well, because if we can't communicate directly with business leaders in their terms, then the, all it looks like is, is that we're a separate department that has no connection to the end result. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, to our detriment. Now, moving on to the next item I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about numbers. This particular one was actually my favorite from the list. It says numbers are actually part of the job. Why do you think the HR profession is bad at numbers and what should we do about it? Well, of course, this is generalizing because there are some people that are very good and, and very proficient at it. But as I said earlier, that a lot of people that are drawn to HR initially are those into the social sciences and so forth. But into the other sort of fi- finance and STEM pass, uh, that's not where they go. So they tend not to have the exposure to to math and analytics and understanding what an algorithm is, to just even doing basic math of percentage increases and decreases. It seems simple enough. But for those that haven't got exposure to it or haven't practiced with it, will naturally not be as good at it. And truthfully, we also have to understand metrics as it relates to the people side of the business, once again, to sometimes justify what the return on investment will be, we actually have to have some measure. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could, there's lots of books and lots of courses on this, but everything can be measured. Uh, it's just a matter of how we look at it. And I think HR practitioners, both new, you know, and through their career need to be more comfortable and competent in understanding what the numbers mean and what to do with it. It seems like a uphill battle. Well, but, but in, in fairness, though, it's just like, you know, in anything in school, if you, if you haven't done it for a while, if you haven't practiced, it's natural that you're not going to be as good at it. There's right. lots of programs. And of course, with things like Excel, they can do, you know, do the formulas for you. But what's really important, though, is to understand how that number came to be. Mm-hmm. So that, again, you can look at this from both the analytics side And then when you're looking at setting goals for an HR program, for example, then you need to know, are we looking for a percentage increase, decrease, and what that's going to look like? You said there's lots of sources for improving a person's uh, facility with numbers. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, Well, again, I think, you know, there's some basic analytics courses that you can take. And again, basic analytics will give you the foundation of what you need. There are a lot of um, books that are written uh, on HR analytics themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you can certainly look up there. And I, I actually find them very informative, to be quite honest. I don't think you always need to take a full course. Okay. So the last item I think we have time for says uh, HR doesn't report to employees. Well, uh, that seems obvious to me. So why do you think that one made it on the list? Well, again, I think the misconceptions of when people enter into HR, especially if they've gone through an academic stream and and not sort of gone through HR in a different way, 
uh, what I would say is they think that they represent the people, the the, the mm-hmm. staff and, and everything like that. And in, in some ways you do, but when it comes down to it, you're there representing management and you're helping them, you know, manage their workforce. So you don't directly, you know, support employees in general, you support management. That doesn't mean that you don't think of, you know, the impacts to employees. You don't think about what's right with employees. It just means you don't do it in a direct way. You do it through management. That doesn't mean you can't talk to employees. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to employees. It just means at the end of the day that your support goes to management. Okay, a final question. So in the end, based on the article and your experience, what advice do you have for someone who's just starting out in HR or thinking about a career in HR? Well, I've always said is business acumen is really important piece. So if you haven't taken a business or a finance course, put that on your list to do. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I would say that if you've never supervised people, I think you should go seek that experience out because again, it's really hard for you to give advice if you've actually not, never gone through it yourself. So if you want to be in that realm, especially in the generalist uh, sphere of HR, you really need to understand what it's like to supervise people because it's harder than it looks. The other thing would be, I view all HR practitioners as leaders And I think it's important that you see yourself as that. So to present yourself as a leader, I think is important. So part of the development of yourself is to grow as a leader. So we've reached the end of this episode. This show is also on YouTube where there's an opportunity to connect with me and other up and coming HR professionals. Thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to our next opportunity to talk shop.